Welcome to Echoes Down the Road, a podcast presented by the band West of House. My name is Lance, and today we bring you episode eight, where we will be breaking down the song Turn of Phrase from our debut album, Crescendo of Silence. So join me, Eric, and a special guest of the band, who is believed to be the possessor of the one ring that rules them all, and possibly lives behind the visibility cloak. The three of us will be unpackaging this heartfelt song with all of its many layers. Welcome back to Echoes Down the Road. This is episode eight, the turn of phrase episode. My name is Eric. And my name is Lance. And it's just the two of us joining you right now. Tommy, Kevin, and Dave were lost in a port somewhere in some storm. Hopefully they're huddled up together for warmth and avoiding hypothermia. But we do have a special guest with us, don't we, Lance? We do. We do. We're excited. I actually have never met him. I've only heard about him. I've once watched him in his witchcraft of dark, deep sorcery, doing a live YouTube while he mixed a song. So I'm excited to actually interact with this young man. That sounds very voyeuristic. I'm thinking that may be a crime. (laughs) A crime of passion, maybe. (laughs) So you have heard us talk about him, I think, in every single episode. Uh, Welcome to Echoes Down the Road, Mr. Bobby Phillips. How's it going, guys? It is going well. We are so happy you could join us today. I'm happy to be here, man. I've been listening to at least the first two and a half episodes, and I've been like, I got to I want to hang out with these guys. This sounds fun. So excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. And now you can join the magic of a band that's never been in the same room, <laughs> let alone having you that's never been in the same room with us. Right. Uh, for the folks out there, we've never met Bobby in person. We've talked countless times. I think I know him more intimately than, than my own children at this point with how much we interact uh, when we're mixing songs. We'll keep but that a secret, Eric. Yeah, we, we won't tell the kids. They're still happy after the Carry, Carry Your Dreams episode, so I don't want to crush them. <laughs> this this, this won't get, be for them. This won't be for them. <laughs> before we get started, I, I, I don't have the can here, but you have the can, don't you, Lance? Okay, so, so maybe we you take sw- the honors. Switch roles, so that means you have the honors. So, Lance, what you drinking there? Oh... It's a little cold was, this morning. There was a slowness to that. There was. was. My digits are cold because it's so chilly here in Southern California, even though I know that sounds kind of selfish to say. But to answer your question, because it's before noon, we are having fruit juice known as a sour that has a little kick. So I got a little Modern Times Tropical Fruitland Sour here. And Eric, you don't have a can. I can see that. I- I don't. I, I have a bottle, and I don't know if this is... See, see we, we got sounds there. We can't pay for... Some jiggly-wiggly. So. <laughs> All right. Oh, I think that worked. Let's, let's do the pour. So and what you drinking there, I am there, also... Eric? Well, besides my coffee, because, again, it is 11, uh, I, felt, I felt incomplete with what you were drinking. So I am drinking a sour also. I'm going to butcher the name, probably. I think it's called Rosé. R-U-E-U-Z-E. It's made by the brewery in Placentia, uh, just 6.3. And it's a sour blonde ale aged in oak barrels. Wow. That's so, yeah, I'm pretty bougie this morning. <laughs> yeah, and that's from brewery, is that right? 
It's from the brewery, uh, B-R-U-E-R-Y. They're pretty big here in SoCalin. They are. I, I honestly they do amazing stuff. Don't Their think... sours and the bourbon barreled stuff. I, well, mm. anything. I honestly don't think I've ever had a beverage from them with any disappointment. They do everything well. I, I would not argue. Mr. Phillips, are, are, you, are you drinking anything? He there? does. I saw it earlier. He's an hour ahead, so I am he an hour should be ahead, drinking whiskey. But I've also got a bunch of stuff I need to do today after today's episode. So uh, it's noon where I'm at. And it looks I'm, like used motor oil, by the way. So it, what well, is that? It's, I'm nursing a, a nitro cold brew from Starbucks. That's how. Okay. <laughs> that's good that's, stuff. It is good stuff. Um, we had, for the listeners, we had planned on doing this episode a couple times before and some stuff got in the way. You told me we were doing uh, what you drink in there, and I had actually bought a uh, six pack of some black tooth stuff, some nice. homegrown stuff. That's a Wyoming brewery, uh, and we just got one. Uh, it was originally elsewhere in the state, I forget where, but we just got another tap house here in Cheyenne, where I live, uh, for black tooth, and I had picked up some of their coffee stout. That's all gone. I drank it, so of today we just you get did. the coffee portion of it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, beer shouldn't be expected to sit around. No. I've had a few, I've had a few waiting for episodes, and you know what? If we if we skip a date, the beer's gone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that doesn't stand a chance. Well, that's good. We need to get out to Wyoming, their lands, and partake in, in some of the libations. We've got from some our middle from our middle American friends. It's a beautiful state. Like we were talking earlier before we started recording, I've only been there in the winter and it was stunning how beautiful it was. I can only imagine in the spring what it would look like. Extra snowy in my experience. Um, so right now it's, uh, what is it, 26 degrees out, I think. So I don't know what your definition of chilly is in SoCal, but... Uh, oh, we have a very different definition. <laughs> yeah. I have a nipply I, I wind. I think the low 60s. <laughs> means the the shorts stay on but the sweatshirt comes on too. yeah so it's 23 degrees fahrenheit and there's about a half an inch of, sh- of uh, snow on the ground and uh that's sweatshirt weather here <laughs> yes wow What's, i wouldn't mind it what I elevation like are you in cheyenne just over six thousand, i think okay yeah Je- we're, we're higher than denver i know that which is of course the mile high city no, I can relate. Yeah. I went to school in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is 7,000 feet. And if it's 40 degrees and sunny, it's t-shirt and shorts. Yep. Just because of that altitude. Now, you go in the shade, totally different situation. And we get so, ridiculous winds here, too. It's actually a calm day today, but we had like gusts in the 50s and 60s miles an hour nope. just a couple days ago. <laughs> Game over. Game over. Wind is not good. <laughs> Now, I'm not a scientist, but at that elevation, would Tommy's head get bigger? It would swell because there's less air pressure to hold it yep. down. So it would definitely enlarge at that elevation. Okay. Air pressure that's, differential. That's what I figured. I'm sad he's not here. I was, I was hoping I could fire him, like, honorably. Like, as I, <laughs> can I well, fire him? <laughs> there's that, and then there's the token line of somebody has to say, shut up, Tommy. So we'll fold that in there somewhere. So right. where, wherever you are, Tommy... Shut up. Shut up, Tommy. <laughs> we love you, Tommy. I think it's, it's almost in every episode. I think I may have missed one somewhere. I think but, you're right. There was one episode. But, uh, you don't want to overuse it. I mean, then it becomes the, cat, the catchphrase you have to say in every episode. <laughs> I like that it, that it comes out organically in almost every episode. That's what's sad, though, is we don't overuse it, and we yet <laughs> still have to use it every episode. So, well, it has to be done. He understands. Yeah. He just walks into it. It's, as long as he knows yeah. his place, right? That's, yeah, but there's does. a 50% chance we're actually going to see him on the Skype sneaking up behind Bobby. 
That would be amazing. Yeah, he's, he could be hiding back there that is somewhere amidst the drums. Terrifying. Drum demon. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's jump into our interview, the, our second guest interview for this podcast. We had Paul Stamat, director of the Yesterdays and Moving Shadows video, back in the Moving Shadows episode, and well, hopefully this goes well. So we have not given Bobby these questions ahead of time just so they can be uh, off the cuff. They're written on our sheet, of course. Of course. We wrote them down, but I erased them from Bobby's version <laughs> because it's a little more sadistic. We'll grade him later. Yes. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll come out of his mixing. Team me up. It's <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Bobby, why don't you start us off and uh, give us a little rundown of your musical history and how you kind of went from Wyoming rock god to international mix ninja. <laughs> that is your right. official name. I'll take it. it. I'll take it. I've been called hashtag Cheyenne famous by some people around town. So, <laughs> um, so I, uh, grew up around music, um, for, for, uh, a time context, I'm 32 years old and, uh, growing up, dad was a big, um, blues rock fan. So we had like Stevie Ray Vaughan was always playing around the house, nice. buddy guy, BB King. Uh, and then also into like Eric Clapton and uh, Mark Knopfler. And then my mom was more into the classic, what's now considered classic rock sort of stuff. So we always had Led Zeppelin around the house, ACDC, Aerosmith, stuff like that. So Okay, I got to time out real quick. Yeah. That what I love your parents. You just <laughs> you just described everything musically that I love and still to this day worship just a little. Same, yeah. absolutely. Melanche, you did leave out the air supply. Uh, nope, come on, I know man. you were raised on a steady diet of air supply by your older brother. Uh, that never happened. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so go on, so, Bob. I yeah, just had to so, tell, I'm amazed by your parents already. Yeah, no, it's, it was a great upbringing, and, I, and uh, you know, I still thank them for the music that they uh, raised me on. So, uh, but we didn't have any musical instruments in the house when I was growing up, other than I, I had a toy piano, which I actually still have back in my storeroom. Um, you know, little Casio thing for kids. About the time I was 12, I was in junior high school, and uh, my grades were slacking, and so my parents grounded me from everything else. Couldn't play video games, couldn't play, uh, you know, computer games, couldn't hang out with my friends, couldn't watch TV. Um, but there was this little half-size acoustic guitar sitting in the corner of my room that I'd never touched since I was like five years old. And I had to do a book report on Stevie Ray Vaughan's uh, biography, one of them anyway. And so I'm, I'm reading it, I'm getting back into his music because I hadn't listened to it in a while. And I'm picking up the guitar just to play along with the songs. And that just kind of like steamrolled from there. So I got a, my first electric guitar when I was uh, 13 and uh, started getting into playing Steve Ray Vaughan. And then I got into like Deep Purple and playing Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. Um, and Highway Star. I was a, um, uh, shoot, I can't remember the name of the song now. It wasn't uh, by Supertramp. I'm going to be pretty sure about that. <laughs> Eric oh, loves Supertramp. There's nothing wrong with Supertramp. Super Tramp. No, there's nothing wrong with Supertramp. Um, yeah, Space Trucking. And, you know, of course, I had to learn Smoke on the Water. It's every, you know, it's a rite of passage. Um, Highway Star? I, no? No, it was, what was the other one? Um, uh, it, was, it, it was also on Made in Japan. That was the one I was listening to. Um, Shoot, I'm going to have to look that up. You can edit this out. <laughs> Made in Japan. Deep purple. I just think Iron Maiden made in Japan. You know, I 
never got into Maiden that much. Uh, what? I already Bobby. love okay. uh, Bobby. You're my spirit animal. <laughs> I I'm was, the same way. I was a Metallica guy. Drunk. I was a Shut Metallica. Up, Lance. Um, <laughs> my friends were like, "Yeah, Ghost Kid Row," and I'm like, "Sweet White Room" by Cream. Yeah, you know you're you're allowed to like them both. I this is true. I mean, I appreciate them now. I never liked Slave them. to the Grind is an absolutely kick-ass album. No, you're I'll right. It was you. Space Truckin'. I'm getting my guitar riffs mixed up. It was nice. Space Truckin'. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, grew up uh, learning that sort of stuff. And uh, this was in uh, the early 2000s. So the new metal thing was happening. Linkin Park and Evanescence, Korn, uh, all that sort of early 2000s metal was going on. And I got into a little bit of it. But I was the weird kid in my high school who knew how to play guitar solos when everyone else was just playing power chords. So I got, I was in maybe two or three bands uh, throughout high school. And then uh, out of college, I joined a hard rock trio and we did a lot of, you know, it was a bar gigging band. Um, We did a lot of Van Halen and Pantera and Metallica. And to my chagrin, we did some Motley Crue and some Iron Maiden. I'm going to, I'm going to catch some heat (laughs) for that, but (laughs) not from Eric, not from, (laughs) well, I mean, the Iron Maiden thing was just, it just the, I don't know, something about the vocals just never hooked me. I was a big, like. Master of Puppets, Metallica guy like that. That well, well, Dickinson's a great singer, but Excellent yeah, singer. he spends a lot of time in the stratosphere. Yeah, no, he's way up there. And, and and for us normal mortals, and I'm the same way. You know, I I want something that I can sing along with to the whole album. And after an album of sing along with Maiden, I need a nap. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, I I got hired for an acoustic gig, sight unseen. Uh, the the bar I'd been playing with my band. Uh, they asked like, Hey, we want to do some like happy hour entertainment on Fridays. Could you do something? And I'd never sung lead before I'd sing backup every now and then. Uh, but I, I just jumped into it and said, yeah, give me two months to work up a set list. And so that's been my standing gig for the last nine years now is just playing acoustic. Yeah. So just a solo acoustic show for about, depending on the night three to I've done seven hour shows. Um, just singing my head off. So, and that's, that's my main gig right now. I'm not the, the band broke up about seven years ago. Um, and so that's been my primary performing focus. And then on top of that, I'd recorded a couple solo albums of kind of Satriani-esque stuff, very just straight up rock instrumental. And some local musicians got wind of it. And I started recording and mixing some of their projects for solo EPs. I got a couple guys I work with now who we record a song for them to pitch to publishers in Nashville. Um, so far, nothing's been picked up that I'm aware of, but I still get paid for the work. So that's how I got into production. And as far as the sort of remote mixing thing, uh, Tommy and I, I don't know if he's still in it, but Tommy and I were in a Facebook group called Theme Music, just sort of a creative prompt thing. You get a prompt every two weeks and either write or cover songs based on the prompt. So songs about heartbreak songs about drinking songs that are one word that start with an s you know sort of arbitrary sort of stuff to kind of get you creating music and he was on a project uh, to cover a sticks song and i can't remember which sticks song it was but i got pulled in to mix it because there was like eight musicians on it and it was just kind of cacophony uh so i got pulled in to mix it and tommy loved the sound of his drums on that and i think two or three years later he hit me up uh to see if i'd be interested in trying to get you guys to hire me to mix uh, Fallen was the first song. And uh, that's kind of where it started. 
Wow. So that means you were introduced to the band through Tommy. Through Tommy. And, and so what were your initial thoughts of Fallen and that, that process, especially when you had to meet the one and only Eric Bieger? You know, I don't who, think I actually... He's a lot to take, but he's yeah. a wonderful man at heart. <laughs> you're, only say... <laughs> uh, you're only saying that because he's in the room right now. Um, well, he's, he's two blocks away, so I have a safe lead ahead. Oh, is he really? <laughs> I, I know where you live. <laughs> I'm faster than you, though. I can run quick. Uh, no argument there. So uh, I don't know that I actually started interacting with Eric until we were about halfway through yesterday's, if, if my memory yeah, is correct. I don't think we talked on Fallen. I sent everything through Tommy. Yeah. Okay. And yesterday's so, being our second song, I think we, we did. Yep. Chronologically, True. yesterday's, I think, was the next one. Um, so I did everything through Tommy on Fallen and I would send him the mix. Well, back up. So I got the, the rough mix to listen to, to ask if I would be interested in, uh, trying a mix on it. And I heard it and I dug it, you know, um, as you guys mentioned in, I think the second episode you were talking about yesterday's, that was where you really kind of found your sound. Um, so when I heard yesterday's, it just sounded like kind of a straight ahead, I don't want to say soft rock, but definitely just a, a mellow kind of rock song. And I dug it. I dug the vocals on it. I kind of liked that clean tenor sort of sound. Um, it was kind of vibey. So I took it in and mixed it and passed the first mix off to Tommy. And he passed it off to Eric. Eric sent some notes back and we kind of finessed it. And that was uh, kind of how it started. And uh, yeah, picked me up for the rest of the album. So Eric, I, that that brings kind of me back to the beginning now that I didn't even think about this before, but when we did Fallen and then you wanted to mix it and get it mastered and, you know, cause you could only do so much since we only have so much talent within each of us, we knew we needed help, but didn't we go to a few other people well prior to even Tommy bringing Bobby's name up? I think we had a person in Brazil, England, maybe Italy. Yeah, I, w I was actually going to mention that. So before we knew anything about Bobby, uh, and you know, we'll probably talk about it in the Fallen episode too, I imagine, but we were on, I did some work on a site called Fiverr, which is like uh, you know, independent guys that you can pay and it's not too much. And so we sent it off to three different guys, Brazil, Italy, and the UK. Yeah, okay. And they gave back free samples of all their stuff and one was one was pretty decent brazil I think, was I it think, brazil yeah i think brazil is who we like brazil was good and uk was okay italy was not good yeah at all you know they, a lot of sorry, problems italy. in that country it's not your fault <laughs> uh but then tommy said you know hey i know this other guy too let's give him a shot you know and we, we decided to we decided to buy american that's, there because because when when bobby's came back there was i what sold it for me Bobby was your work on the vocals. Oh, <laughs> because I mean, obviously as a singer, that's really important. And the, all the other guys, I mean, they got the instrumentation, right? Mm -hmm. There were some level things that could change, but you had a, a talent with the vocals there that immediately stood out. And so that, that won you the gig. It did. Wow. Actually, we even, we, I think we, as a band, we agreed, Hey, let's, let's pay Brazil. Let's pay Bobby. We did pay Brazil, that's right, because he, he did a good job. He did, and, and so like, let's finish both of them, and then we knew at that point we kind of had that inkling we are going to do some more, maybe a band, like a full album kind of a thing we were kind of flirting with, but 
And then by the time it was done, it wasn't even a discussion. It was like Bobby, Bobby has a different level. Like there's this whole other gear. Brazil was great. Bobby had this other level and gear that we knew, oh my God, moving forward, this is our man for sure. Yeah. And, and the existing relationship with Tommy was important because where with Brazil, it was a purely, purely business relationship and transactional. You know, Bobby became this actual real guy that we could talk to. And we could bounce stuff off. And, you know, by this time, it's now, you know, January 2021 and recording this. Bobby and I have gone back and forth on all the songs of Crescendo, a few extra things at uh, Heaven and Hell, which is released now, the cover song we did by Churches. Uh, he's done my solo album. So we've built this relationship of, you know, he, he gives it to me, I give it back, we do notes, we talk, and there, there's a very good working relationship there. And we're, we're both kind of perfectionists in the ways that we don't want to stop on something until it's done. And the, the problem we would have had with anyone we didn't know, it's like, okay, I've fixed this two more times for you. That's enough. I need to get onto more projects, you know, kick rocks. So <laughs> right. ap- apologies in advance, Bobby, not in advance, no. I guess, after the fact, but no, I mean, we do a lot of chatting back and forth. We do. And, and it's a good relationship because I, I think, uh, especially for me, I think the about the time that i really felt like okay now i'm hooked into the sound you guys said yesterday oh. for me oddly enough it was actually um hang on i have the track list here i have the cd <laughs> here uh <laughs> nice uh, nice plug. where was it holy ghosted uh was actually uh. the the most esoteric probably not the right word for it but the most different song on that album for yeah, whatever that reason that was the one that that i i finally felt like i had a handle on the sound um, and that really helped actually when we went back to the rest of the songs to kind of finesse them, especially Fallen. We did Fallen, what, in February of last year, I think, of 2020? Yeah. February or late, even early March. It was before lockdown. It was the first and a, a, a little teaser, the last song we worked mm-hmm. on for Crescendo of Silence. Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't want to talk about Fallen too much just because it, it's going to get its own episode. Um, but being able to go back once I felt like I had a handle on the sound that I felt like that made fallen and the rest of the songs that came immediately thereafter yesterday's and whatnot, uh, that much stronger, just because we I finally felt like I had a handle on our working relationship on the sound you guys were going for. And as the songs were starting to pile up the overall vibe and feel of an entire album versus one isolated song or three isolated songs. I, Bobby, I don't know how much Eric paid you to say that Holy Ghosted was the one song that got it for you, but that definitely made Eric's loins tingle. There's no doubt about it. It, it was, well, that's when uh, you, you were, I think you were experimenting with the vocals. And was that when you started using that portal plugin? I, I, it, was, it was either that or whatever one came immediately after. And I can't remember the chronological order of the songs as far as what we sent them. Um, cause what was it? I don't know. It was after Ghost. Yeah, it might have been Echoes. It wasn't Denmark. I'm looking at the list here. Was it? Was it Moving Shadows? Could have been. Could have been. Could have been. It was. Yeah. It was one of those for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it was there. And uh, the song we're going to be talking about today, especially, was really where I found that that portal sound. Um, for those listening uh, and not audio engineers, Portal is a plugin by Output, the company, that does this crazy, gooey, pitch-affected, stuttery. It can do all these crazy 
ambient sounds. Yeah. And I created a preset with Portal and Sound Toys Echo Boy that made this 30-second long echo that just permeates the entire album, basically. Um, So we went back and put that in everything. Lance, I don't know if you know this, but I mean, so Bobby and I, it's kind of a a running joke on every song. Uh, I'll just be like, you know, it needs more More goo goo. on (laughs) on the vocals and more moistness. And I'll just come up with different, you know, synonyms for this. And and then he created through Portal the goo patch. It doesn't surprise me. You do love goo. I know that about you. (laughs) Gooey vocals are, I mean, it's the best. For the sake of it, uh, so other people can hear it, I'll see if I can send you just a clip of some goo from uh, this song, which I keep forgetting the actual name of it um, because you changed the name. Uh, Turn a phrase. Sorry. Yes, (laughs) turn turn a phrase phrase now. We'll we'll kind of talk about the demo. You know, let's, uh, yeah, when we get to turn a phrase, bring it up again and and we'll make sure we we play it because we do lots of musical overlays in this podcast, yeah. which hopefully the folks enjoy. So I'll send you some isolated uh, tracks. Yeah, way to bring oh, that be around, because that is the episode we're on. <laughs> uh, kind of springboarding off that, Bobby, mm-hmm. uh, why don't you talk about a typical mixing session with the band? Yeah. Uh, so typical would be probably seven out of the ten songs, um, where you have the whole band cranking, um, Dave or no Dave, because um, I know he was added kind of halfway through. but. Um, my understanding is you guys kind of hash out the parts and everybody records their stuff, sends it to Eric who kind of would, and you can jump in on this Eric too, where you're, you know, you'll say this is good or I need more of this, less of that. Can you play this differently? Pretty spot. You're right on track. And then I end up getting, uh, the majority of the tracks from Eric. This is going to be Eric's vocals, any backing vocals from Dave uh kevin's parts lance's parts and then tommy sends me his parts separately i'm assuming he just sends you a two track to start uh just a one i i tell him to mix everything down to to one mp3 and then i kind of make that's how i make the reference okay. uh mp3 for you. sure so i get the individual drum tracks from tommy and he's usually got uh i've got notes from eric as far as things he's really looking for usually this will be things like you know kevin's guitar part here is really what needs to shine or can we make the vocal in this bridge really kind of jump out and be ethereal, uh, sort of creative things like that. And from Tommy, I'll also have notes as far as he's always experimenting with different drum parts, diff- uh, different drum pieces. Uh, he's, he's, what is he up to? Like 28 microphones now. It's, Something it's like ridiculous. That. It's uh, but I get, I get the big thing I get from him is the panning of the different pieces of his kits left to right. Um, which helps me get a picture of the whole drum kit and make it sit where it needs to sit in the room, as it were. So I get all the different pieces. I'll also get a reference track from Eric, uh, just an MP3 of where he last left the song. And I'll usually give the MP3 a listen maybe two or three times through to get a vibe of the song. And it's also sort of my way of listening for what they were going for, what Eric was going for. As far as like, is it really gooey and ambient? Is it more of a straight up rock and roll song? And that kind of guides where I'm going to take the mix from there. Uh, if you hear meowing, that is my cat going nuts. So apologies to the listeners. It's okay. We had parrots on the yesterday's episode <laughs> that I couldn't get out of, my, out of my front yard. So Nice. So uh, I'll pull the tracks in and I've got a template set up that just 
more than anything helps me with organization and routing. So all the drums get funneled down to one bus fader. Uh, the bass track has its own bus fader, uh, which sometimes I'll duplicate and add like a distorted bass track on top of it. Uh, guitars get their own faders, uh, keys and, and sound effects, and then vocals and backing vocals, those each get their own fader. And I really just start kind of sculpting it, and I try to take sort of a, an 80-20 Pareto principle approach where uh, 20% of the moves get you 80% of the result is kind of the idea there. So it's really broad strokes to start to kind of get everything in the ballpark. And then from there, it's really nitty gritty. Um, and uh, the template I have also includes now the goo. And uh, it's got some other kind of general purpose Ooh. effects. There's like a quarter note echo that syncs up with the tempo of the song and an eighth note one, a dotted. There's like three different ones I tend to use, a couple reverbs and distortions. And that just kind of lets me quickly move through and kind of keep creative without having to think too much about the technical engineering side of it. Um, once I've got everything balanced, depending on the complexity of the song, I might let it sit for a little bit, come back to it with fresh ears, make a few more tweaks before I send the first mix off. There's been a couple times where I've pulled it together, sent it off, and all we've had is minor tweaks, bring this vocal up, turn this guitar down, and we're done. Um, other times, there will go through a series of five or six revisions. And, and most of the time, when I get the notes back from Eric is usually who I get them from, I agree with the notes. I'll listen to it, and Eric will say, no, 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 this is too loud. You're right. It is too loud. <laughs> so it's, it's a collaborative effort, for sure. Yay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> or we're both crazy, one of the two. Oh, yeah, yeah d definitely that one. <laughs> hey, so, Bobby, have there yes. been any songs on this project that have presented unique challenges or maybe the other side, something you're extremely proud of? I mean, I'm extremely proud of the whole thing. Um, I'm looking at the, the back of the CD now. It's, I've been separated from the work for a while. I haven't actually listened to the whole CD in a while. Um, but I did listen to Turn a Phrase and pull up the session today. Um, Turn a Phrase was its own set of challenges, which, which we can talk to as we dive into that. Um, you know, they, they each really had their own unique sort of pressing thing. Like, yeah, um, Fallen was probably the most difficult one just because it was a fresh band, it was new, and I was kind of getting my, my feet under me as far as the sound. Um, it's interesting you say that, though, because for all of you Westies out there, turn a phrase is, has the least amount of parts. There's, I'm not in it as the bass player. The drummer's not in it. But it is a delicate song. So mm -hmm. I, I would love for you to kind of expand on, like, why would a song with fewer tracks, you know, you've just eliminated 38 tracks from Tommy. Why would this be a big challenge for you? Right. So the, the more... I'm trying to think of how to word this. So it's kind of a static arrangement before I do anything to it. It's piano, it's a guitar part, and it's two sets of vocals, a sung part and a, a spoken part. Uh, there, there's not a lot of dynamics built into the song as it is when you just put the tracks up where they're at. It's really just vibey, and I wanted to build in some ebb and flow and some drama to it. And when you don't have drums building up and dropping down in intensity and you don't have a bass line, that was really its own challenge too. Um, you really kind of have to start building some dynamic things in there to make the song have more of a, an interesting flow from start to finish. Because otherwise it's going to be static and it could be boring. 
Um, so I did some things in the engineering side to try to make some parts poke out a little bit more, make things a little bit more dramatic and interesting as the song flows across. Nice. And I can, I can talk about some of the technical of that too. I just pulled up the session to remind myself, um, what some of the moves I did were, if you're interested. Well, let's, yeah, I, I want to dive into that. We, we do have a, a question that came in over email. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you before we jump into turn a phrase yeah. and it looked oh it's from tommy um uh, many have attributed your powers to wizardry and or black magic are you currently aligned with dark forces and if so are any of them single shut up tommy no <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to get that in there so <laughs> <laughs> that's and that is the perfect way to beautiful. conclude our interview uh, with bobby phillips bobby's part of the family uh, wow not even scripted you knocked that one out of the park <laughs> no dark forces to speak of um my lawyer's advising me i should probably shut my mouth on that so <laughs> oh that was great thank man thanks bobby for uh i mean just all of that just kind of, I mean, it's fun just for us to have kind of this audio history diary yeah. of all the stuff that went in. That was kind of our initial thought in making a podcast, you know, because you don't remember all the things that happened. But I mean, now we get, you know, we get to put it out there and it's just an extra benefit that people are actually listening to this, which still blows my mind. But I mean, I found even stepping away from the band, I, I find what you say about the whole process very interesting. And it's, it's interesting for me too, because when I'm in the middle of a mix and whether I'm like in the middle of it and I haven't even sent you guys a first pass or we're on the tail end of revisions, like all of that as it goes by is kind of a blur. Like I hit sort of a flow state and it, it's just kind of automatic. It's interesting taking sort of a retrospective look at these and, and listening to the previous episodes you guys have done has been there's been a lot of like oh yeah i remember that moments it's it's super fascinating uh both as a fan and as the engineer it's good stuff uh hey how about well, how about we dive into turn a phrase let's do, do it so let's move on to the next part of the episode uh at this time we usually give you guys a chance just kind of to pause and listen to the song if you haven't already you can pull it up on spotify or apple music or if you have a cd like bobby does you can crank it up there but if you got it you know, this is a good time. Listen to the song and come back. So there's your, there's your chance. It, it, passed in, it passed in a blink for me, but hopefully for you, it took about three minutes and 45 seconds. I don't know how long that song what, is. Maybe what four. year is it? I've lost track of time. <laughs> I've grown my beard. <laughs> uh, you know, Lance uh, brought up a good point. This, is, this song has the least amount of West of House members. Uh, on it just me and kevin lance isn't on it tommy isn't on that it's it's not because we ran out of time or anything it's it's definitely by design but i mean you've heard bobby talk about it too and you know bobby's even on the song which we'll get to in a bit and has a writing credit for it just because of his input to this song was so integral that it, it wouldn't have been complete with with without what Bobby put in. So, you know, for the two cent check that you'll get in about three years, I'll retire. You earned that, my friend. (laughs) It was, uh, initially called not too late. You know, we have different names for everything and there's no demo version of the song, which is another interesting factoid about it because the demo version is just the piano track because initially that's all I had. I think I wrote it in April and it was just that just two piano parts. 
and it kind of had this feel that at the time I didn't really know where to go with it, but I really liked that feel of piano. I knew there was, uh, I knew there was potential there. There was a, a melody that I wanted to throw in. And that's my only instrumental contribution to the song is, is that piano part, which, which you're listening to right now. It's just very simple stuff. My piano skills are very basic, but they, they worked for this song. And the fact that it became a very minimalistic song uh, rather than some of our tracks, which is the, which song has the most tracks? Uh, is that voyeuristic? I think that's voyeuristic symphony. I think you were on the order of 70 some odd tracks. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot. We don't, I, I don't think we overproduce songs, but we definitely don't skimp when it comes to tracks, especially. You'll have to call me back for Voyeuristic Symphony because I would love to talk about that one too. Uh, you, well, you have already made yourself welcome with any episode, <laughs> just your insights. I'm thinking of just bringing you back for season two, just to kind of join us when we talk about who. God knows what. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Doing a hell of a job, Bobby. I'm having a lot of fun. Definitely. Hey, we're half of those 72 Bobbies. Did he have 30? You mean Tommy's? Oh, sorry, Tommy. Did he have 30, <laughs> 36 tracks there? Oh, man. I'd have to pull up the session. 20-some-odd drum tracks. There was like maybe 12 string tracks, a good handful oh, of vocals God. and keys. And yeah, it was just a, it was a lot. smattering of tracks. I apologize. How many, how many bass tracks were there, Lance? Oh, no. It's just one. That's all Lance is good. One and done. Minimum baby. effective dose, man. <laughs> That's me, my you know, friend. And, and sorry we didn't bring you on Turner Phrase, Lance. It just, it, I, I didn't hear it. That's but okay. but you do, I mean, you did well. I mean, it's not like you didn't cry or anything. No, less is more. I know we don't always love that phrase because less is generally less, as we said in our last episode. But sometimes you pull things away and you can accentuate other things. You know what I what, think? We did. What's kind of funny too is that I ended up on the engineering side making a bass track out of one of the piano tracks. I I, had, I just pulled it up today and I forgot I had done that. Um, but because there was no bass track, I didn't want it to feel like the ass of the song had dropped out. Um, especially when you go from <laughs> one song to another, and we didn't have the track sequencing yet at the time, as far as what order they were going to be on the album. But uh, I ended up duplicating one of the pianos. I, I'm pretty sure it was Eric's track, and I took out all of the high end and mid end. So it's all just low end smashed the heck out of it. And that kind of made a fake bass track. And that picks up right after the singing stops and the spoken word comes in. So it kind of, the song gets a little bit bigger right there. So even though there was no bass, there was a bass. <laughs> I, I love when I learn something new about, about our own songs. <laughs> so that's, that's really cool. I mean, you know, having that bass there. And it also kind of plays to Kevin's piano tracks too, which kind of go with that minimalistic feel. And what you're hearing right now is one of the tracks that he played. And it's just those single quarter notes and that go along with what I'm playing on piano. So it's kind of like, I mean, we reference Iron Maiden where they have the two dual guitar attacks. This is Kevin and I's dual piano attacks. So that's his solo, but now when I play them together and you hear both those piano tracks, and it's, it's all very simple stuff, but things don't need to be complicated to be good. I think, uh, and all musicians struggle with that. I, I know I do, I'm sure Bobby and Lance do too. You, you may be able to do more. You, you know, you may be able to Yngwie, but, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. 
so bring Definitely. bring that piano track back up. And I want to bring in one more thing that I put in towards the end of the song uh, on Kevin's piano. You can hear his notes. And then with Portal again, that crazy trippy echo thing, I added an octave up echo on there where it lifts up the whole track and you just get this air. And Oh, that sounds very yeah, cool. So That's, it, it, it's funny because, you know, I often forget that what I give you is not always what comes back. There, there's more mm-hmm. added. And it's just that extra, you know, that, that's why we refer to Bobby as the sixth member of the band. You know, that's what he brings in also. These these songs, that they're his too. So he's stuck with us for, well, forever. And if we have to put him in Tommy's dungeon, then so be it. Yeah, I don't know who's trapped with who in that situation. That's a good point. <laughs> well, we'd, we'd probably get a few more albums done. that's a good point so uh and then we have kevin's guitars and if you if you haven't noticed it or you're not familiar with the band there is a huge explosions in the sky influence on this song uh if you're not familiar with them go check them out the the stuff they do it's it's amazing it's these instrumentals that build with massive guitar tracks and they're just beautiful they did the theme for uh, what was it friday night lights and it's they're wonderful and and kevin pulled that out of his back pocket it's it's a blatant influence and it's perfect for this song it's his playing's very minimalistic you know what we've got we've got just two of them but what they add you put those on top of the pianos and that what we send to bobby just those four tracks from us that becomes kind of this this beautiful foundation of turn of phrase you know showing once again that not every song needs you know 70 tracks Sometimes 70 tracks is cool. And Voyeuristic Symphony needed 70 tracks. But but sometimes you don't need it. And then you have something intimate like Turn of Phrase. So where even the instruments are, they're holding up the lyrics too, depending on what you're trying to say and that feel you're going for. And mad props to Kevin too. I'm kind of bummed out I didn't get to talk with him today, but uh, mad props to him. That dude knows exactly what to play, when to play. So, so true. It comes up in almost every episode. Uh, He does so much with one, two, four notes than people do with a lifetime of, you know, 60 fourths. It's, I I don't understand it. He's got a beautiful ear for melody. And I know, I try not to get, we have the tendency to get a little self-serving with each other. And I don't want all the podcasts to be like, Lance is the best and Tommy is the best. We know, we know Bobby's the best. But you know, when we talk about these things, it's, we're not just tooting our own horns. It's that we love these songs so much and we have such respect for each other that like I am, I know musically I'm the weak link in the band, but I'm constantly amazed. That's a lie. By, <laughs> That's a lie. Uh, shut up. By what like Lance brings and what Tommy brings and Kevin and Dave and just surrounding yourself with these guys who are so talented and what Bobby brings. Bobby does things that I can't comprehend. I'll, I'll text him over messenger and be like, you know, can I do this to a song with this thing that was invented in 1957? Because I don't know what's going on. And he's always very patient with me. He taught me uh, just the basics of sound and stuff and just blows my mind. So uh, again, we're, I'm not trying to be self-serving or lift ourselves up, but just I'm, I'm so blessed to be in the company of guys who are so talented and use it very humbly to create something, you know, that we all enjoy. Appreciate that, man. 
I did want to ask Bobby. Yes. Was that a was that a Coors banquet or are you drinking La Croix? I'm I'm drinking wine? I'm drinking the La Croix. Um, okay. It's it's is it La Croix or La Croix? Um, but I it's, never pronounce I anything. Usually correctly. when Lance says it, we've we've got several episodes of Lance just saying stuff. Well, wrong. I mean, yeah. my wife and I call it La Croix just because it's extra bougie. <laughs> yes, it is. But it's it's sparkling water that looked at a picture of a lemon. Well played. Yeah, my, mine's the uh, my go to is the pamplemousse. I, I got to be honest. The pamplemousse and, and a whole lot of gin. Oh, oh, gin is so good. Yeah, I'm not a gin guy. <laughs> Tastes like a pine oh, tree. Oh, you should. Oh, I love oh, it's pine wonderful. tree. Wonderful. I like to chew pine bark. Just suck on it. <laughs> That's oh, why do I have a feeling this is the Easter egg? For this <laughs> Beautiful. Done. Chewing Beautiful. on pine trees. Okay. Uh, the other thing is the work that Kevin and I were able to do on this song. It was very reminiscent of our uh, working style with Kings in the Back Row, which we talked about in the very first episode. That's the kind of electronica post-rock group that Kevin and I do on the side. And Bobby is a part of now, too. You just mixed and mastered uh, our last single. That is a fact, yeah. That was was Echo Chamber. And because the podcast is ours and Bobby did such great work, let's play a little clip of that now. Sort of phrase, you know, the song really revolves around the lyrics. So let's talk a little bit about vocals and Eric, the lyrics that you put together on this one, which from my perspective are pretty heavy. They're emotional. They could be a love story. They could be religious. There's a lot of layers to this song. And just listening to it, I think that's why there are so few tracks on it, because the lyrics and the vocals really are center stage. Well, yeah, we, I mean, if you've listened to past episodes, you know, we, we definitely have a thing with layers in our songwriting and the vocal part on this was relatively simple. Uh, but the writing for it was, was very unconventional. So I, I started out with, with the verse that just speak your mind. We're running out of time, running out of time to try to find a way to say goodbye. I started with that and and just found this melody, which really worked. And it's a really pretty melody and it's lilting and it's flowing. And I get, I get to the next verse and we got that out of the way. So now in my mind, I've got a new piano part. So I'm thinking chorus. And I come up with the first line of the chorus. Well, what, what I thought was the chorus, which was to say everything I need to say. And then I went into stream of consciousness and all this stuff just started, just started pouring out. Uh, the rest of this song, that whole spoken word part, was written in 15 minutes. 
and it's just it's it's flowing out and i'm like i can't sing this i mean there's there's no external or internal rhymes which doesn't matter anyways if i want to get you know a little a little advanced with the scheme but there's too many words and it can't be sung and to sing all the words that i came up with you're looking at a song that's like 17 minutes long with no discernible chorus and, and no one's going to listen to that and i thought initially initially uh well, I've got like spoken word poetry here. And this is, this is the track that everyone's going to skip because who the hell wants to listen to spoken word poetry. But what came out was, was so different than anything I've done before. Uh, we just decided to go with it because on Christian Silence, we did a lot of things that you, you wouldn't normally do. I mean, our, our genre hopping alone you know, you're playing like moving shadows or chasing after memories. And then you hit holy ghosted and you're like, I have no idea what's going on and I'm having seizures, but you know, they're the fun kind of seizure that makes you, you know, feel like you're wrapped up in a nice bowl of ratatouille. But, <laughs> nice. and, and turn of phrase was like that. And I think I wrote it not too long after, uh, some of the finishing touches on holy ghosted. So we'd already kind of opened that door to, to something different. So, uh, it was recording wise, the vocals were easy and we'll kind of jump into lyrics. But, uh, you know, even uh, Bobby is also on that song. Are you not, Bobby? Uh, you have a little vocal. Uh, do I? Es- no, I thought that was I on. Um, uh, oh, man. Which one was that? Was that? You did kick your ass on yeah, Denmark. I did, yeah, I did kick your ass on Denmark. I don't. But I don't. Have- is it, didn't you do? I think you did because I, and maybe I was drunk, which there's a good possibility. <laughs> Are you talking about no, the, the never happens. I, I seem to remember you doing the whispered say goodbye under my say did goodbye. Did I do that? I have to pull up the. You. I thought you I, whispered. You told that. me you okay. did it. Well, maybe I did. No, I didn't whisper right. it. Well, maybe I did. I think that's, I think that's that you, dude. Eric doesn't whisper. He only yells. I might have been. Oh, no, I, I have whisper tracks that I've he given does. Bobby. There's I might have been up. drunk for that one. There was, this was during lockdown and there was a lot of beer to be had, so. <laughs> there was there was a lot True. going on. I know you added you added some waves to it, which sounded really. Oh, good. I do remember the waves. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. You added the waves, and I didn't. <laughs> I heard the song. I'm like, what is that? It sounds like waves, and it and it came like after. Uh, I think it was after the port and the storm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which was great. I do remember that. There's no judgment in in COVID times, Bobby. So, hey, <laughs> I uh, I no. Sometimes I forget we have an yeah. album, and I'm like, whoa, we did it, this during lockdown. There's a lot going well, on. Well, that's funny because uh, outside of doing the West of House mixes, like you guys kept me busy during lockdown. Our lockdown here in Wyoming, uh, very different politics around here, very different population. Everything was locked down from mid March, like right before St. Patrick's Day. Things started opening up as far as like bars and restaurants about mid to late May, I think. And wow. we've had various stages of like, you know, um, restrictions on room capacities and that sort of thing. You know, I think we're at like 50% capacity for restaurants. We're still doing social distancing. Um, but we've been semi open since May. And I know California has been a little bit more strict about that. So my lockdown was pretty short, relatively speaking, um, two months. But we did a lot of the songs in those two months, and you guys kept me busy. If I didn't have a West of House song to mix, if we were, you know, we'd finished one and I was waiting a couple weeks for the next one, I was my worst self. There was so much beer, so many video games. Um, but <laughs> you guys kept me busy, and you at least made, uh, you know, a, an otherwise 
uh, lethargic lockdown. You kept me busy and kept me active, so that was good. And I appreciate that. Well, there's no plan. <laughs> there's no plan to change that in 2021. <laughs> so now I got to uh, fit it. Around. We won't talk. We won't talk about it on this episode. But there's plenty of work for Bobby. Oh yeah, yeah we want to keep you sure. focused, yep. Bobby. Now we got it. So um, yeah, the what were we talking about? Uh, your your BGVs, your your right, whisper, yeah. Your... Um, so I I vaguely remember that now. Um, most hey, I, I feel like most of my contribution was in just the kind of making the Sonics happen. But I I remember the whisper now, and I remember the waves crashing, uh, just as kind of a subtle effect. So you did some cool stuff also when we get to that whole uh, the broken shell inherit the earth yeah. part. I mean, th- there's like a. I, I don't know how many tracks I did, maybe three there, but you did some really cool effects and it, it's, it, it sounds really cool. In so headphones. with your spoken, your basic spoken word track that goes through that entire thing, uh, after your, I guess you can call them two verses. Um, the whole spoken word thing, I, when you gave it to me, it was just you talking kind of a low voice. To say everything I need to say, it would take eternity just to scratch the surface, just to write an introduction just to begin to paint the picture that is our masterpiece. Made perfect and I wanted to find a way for it to grab attention and hold interest the whole way. And doing that with a spoken word in the middle of a song is tricky. What I ended up doing was I put a stereo effect on it so it sounds like it's coming in both your ears. It's kind of tickly. Um, I, kinda, I think I gave it a chorusing effect too, so it's almost not quite robotic, but it's got that sort of synthesized sound. And then specifically on the Broken Child Inherit the Earth, you gave me a sort of shout track on top of it. The Broken Shell Inherit the Earth. The Broken Shell Inherit the Earth. And this was right in the middle, uh, it was like right around when um, the George Floyd Black Lives Matter protests were really in the forefront of the media. And so protests and people, you know, yelling into, micro- uh, into megaphones. And just this general unrest was at the forefront of my mind. And I, when I heard that, I was like, this has to sound like it's going through a megaphone, like it's a call to, to action sort of thing. So I put some distortion on it. I think I actually slid it back in time a little bit. I think I delayed it from where you had initially placed it, just so it kind of echoed off the spoken word portion of it. Um, but yeah, yeah I re- you nailed that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going for with that sound. It's definitely one of my favorite parts in the song. And uh, I think the only other part, there's some sung vocals then, the last thing I added to this, under that spoken mm-hmm. word. And those were actually the first lyrics that I wrote after West of House started. Uh, we needed, I think, an about section for our Facebook page. And so just off the top of my head, I came uh, far to the West, chasing the sun. The end is the beginning as we leave our house for home. There's... I mean, we could talk layers. There's a lot of layers there. And this just seemed like the perfect kind of song to layer that under and have it. You, you have to listen for it to hear it. But then when it's there, it, it lends a little immediacy and meaning to what's being said on top of it. Eric, we, did we talk about this a little bit in a previous episode, maybe our first one, about where West of House title of the band name came from, where... We did kind of unfold that and unpackage that a little bit. You did. You guys are freaking nerds, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. We own it. Yeah, no, I love that. (laughs) I love that. And I I forgot about that in preparing for this episode, you know, reading through the lyrics. 
you know, the far to the West. I mean, for me, Lord of the Rings is very near and dear to my heart. Well, I, I can't say I was thinking about Lord of the Rings, you know, when I came up with that, but there's, I mean, it's a part of kind of everything we do with the band, that intentionality about, about moving west for, westward, metaphorically. And, you know, what we talked about in the first episode, what that being about, about the movement toward either uh, death or eternity or just a, a higher plane of existence. And so every song on some level moves westward for me, you know, I'll put that in, in air quotes, but it's definitely there. And, and I try to be very intentional uh, with, with the subtext of, of the songs. And it's the same here. I mean, there's very uh, both intentional and even subconscious things. I think in my style of writing, what comes out naturally also this, this fascination with, with the movement, with the journey with how that's what life is all about and not just being static, not being part of the status quo. And I think that kind of, kind of moves us on to the interpretation of the song. And then this was a different one because I've talked to a lot of people about the song and everyone took it differently, which is, which is great, which is exactly what I wanted. But well, why don't we chat about that? I don't know if you have something, Bobby, so I'll go to Lance first. So, so you can cram real fast, but what, what were your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, take your time, Bob. No, I, I've got it. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's part of what I love about doing these podcasts is, you know, these, Eric shares these lyrics. He writes them out early on in the process. And I've admitted in the past, I don't really look at lyrics until things are done and I can sit on my couch and drink my gin. Monster. I know. So when I get to reflect and all that stuff and... You know, Eric generally will hold all explanations if he ever shares them, but he'll often share them well after I've had my attempt to explain them. And, and I do love that because Eric is a master at writing lyrics that can really be multiple meanings for multiple people. And it is a beautiful piece of his art creation. So, you know, we talked to us a little bit about the Lord of the Rings thing and, and this the other part you said is the end is the beginning. And gosh, that's like a humanistic line that, you know, it's like we have chapters to our life walking this earth. And no matter where you reside in terms of faith, religion, or not, but, you, you know, you, you leave childhood to manhood for us men. Or you get married. So you leave the, the end of your single life into the beginning of, of a, a relationship that hopefully will last the eternity of your your years on earth. You know, we leave these passages of our home to college, college into hopefully a career. And so there's so many layers on just the, the lines you've already shared so far in this podcast. But for me, if you un start unpackaging this song, there's, and, and I, I think you and I, Eric, have talked a little bit about this song and, and what it meant to you. And, but I'm also bleeding that in with conversations I've had with my wife about it. And you know, I'll play the song and my, my wife Lily only hears lyrics anyways. I don't think she's ever actually heard a, a bass clef note, like tonality wise in her life. And that's why you're perfect for each other. Yeah. She'll take care of the lyrics and you take care of the music. Yeah, it, it is a good match. We say that often to each other. We, we cover each other's basis and strengths and all that stuff. But, you know, for me, it screams biblical stuff and, and Jenny or somebody, was one of us, I thought it was a conversation, Eric, 
that you and I had about maybe a love story towards Shannon and and your household. And so I remember my wife and I, Jenny, getting in this discussion about it. And there's some very blatant religious lines to me in here that we kind of talked about, and I'm trying to find them right now as I, I read through them. But you bore into existence three expressions of love. So if you want to put on like Protestant, Christian, maybe Catholic, but we're talking the Trinity, right? We've got the Son, the Father, the Holy Ghost, but you also have three daughters. So there was an interesting conversation of having three expressions of love and the existence of your three daughters. So that's kind of interesting, but I still can't pull myself away through a lot of this. And I I look at it as the lens of God trying to talk to each of us. And there's these moments where he's this relational God where some faiths struggle with that, where I think it is one cool way of Christianity and Protestant. You can approach God as opposed to other religions. You you can't really approach God. And, And ours is more of a friendship relationship, but yet we need to love and honor him. And so there's a lot of pieces to that for me where even though I have so little to give in comparison to what you deserve, this is kind of my response back. Um, I can't give much back to him. I mean, he created me, he created earth. He created all these great things like trees and the, the, the piney junipers we talked about with gin, but even those little things versus big things. Right. Um, and what little I have could never be enough. I give it all to you. And, and again, I feel like that's something that I say when I'm having these times of like recognizing I'm so weak and frail. And, but yet I could see God saying that to the little man too, is it, it can never be enough for how much I love you. And I think that's something that inspires me just as a, a human. I, I work in education. And one of the things I, I try to do every day as I walk in that door is, how can I breathe life into others? How, do I, how can I lift them up? It's not about me. It's about everyone else. And that's, that's kind of one of my daily mottos and a prayer I kind of say every day when I wake up. And so that, that's to me the, the kind of contrast between what the song could be and what it means to me. And, you know, I'd still love to hear what Eric, why he wrote it, but knowing him, he probably won't tell me. Um, and then I have a couple, <laughs> just know you too well, this brother. Precious. <laughs> that was a very good Smeagol. That, that was a Gollum. Very good Smeagol, the happy side of the duality you know, of that I, character. I, it's not always my intent for my songs to take you to church, Lance, but I, I'm happy that they do that for you. You know, you, you've do. mentioned that on other episodes too, and, and I enjoy that. You know, there's some life-affirming quality to that. For sure. That, And it's always there on the end of my tongue and thoughts, I guess. But one word I, I have to, and this is, I've never shared this with you, Eric, but you have a line here about painting the picture that is our masterpiece. And I'm going to be a dad real quick. And my three kids, they all went to uh, a preschool here in town, St. Paul's, and they're awesome. It's they're very exploratory and, and they're not about work and learning like arithmetic and language. They want kids to be kids. And, and I love them for that because they let kids just kind of explore 
stuff because learning is something that I wish all kids, no matter, and even adults, it's a lifelong journey of learning. I hate when schools, and I feel bad sometimes in my, my work, where school becomes more of a duty as opposed to something that we love. But there was a song, and it's the main song at this preschool, and, and it's, a, it's called The Masterpiece, and it's biblical, but it's so cute to see these kids sing this song of how they're a masterpiece. And as a, as a parent, of course, you feel like every child you create and hopefully can guide into greatness, they are a masterpiece. And it's, you know, the fact that they're all so different, even though they have the same parents or same house, it is a, a beautiful thing to watch them grow and develop. So that word to me is kind of precious in a sense, because masterpiece reminds me of being a father for my little precious creations that I've been blessed to have. But I will say, Eric, I can't imagine, you said, I'm glad I I bring you to church or whatever through lyrics, but there's no way of denying the closing line. So I'd love for you to retort me on this about... Is that even English? Retort you? Retort you, me? Retort your line about the kind of the ending where we, we talk about the broken shell inherit the earth, which, you know, we just talked about how Bobby made that kind of this bigger thing and really kind of brought that out to the forefront. But the broken shell inherit the earth, I mean, that's literally, a, and I know you've mentioned this, that scriptures is an off, a great and an often fantastic source for inspiration in, in words. But Matthew 5.5, 5, it's it's the meek shall inherit the earth, and I take the meek as the broken. So I would love to hear your cacophony of explanation of how you try to defend the fact that that is not from Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. That's a great question. Let's hear what Bobby has to say. <laughs> Classic. Way to deflect. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it around. So uh, I the... It, it's interesting hearing Lance's uh, interpretation of it because it's kind of cracked my little head open on it um, because I, I took a, a completely different direction. And, it, you know... Yes, I love it. <laughs> Conflicting so, views. Again, you even, made his loins tingle. I, <laughs> well, I think that's... And I, I know we said we weren't going to be completely self-serving, but I think the hallmark of a well-written song is that multiple people can relate to it in different ways. Um, so that's just credit to Eric's... Um, yeah that credit to uh that's just credit to eric's songwriting right there so i took it kind of a much more personal uh way uh in in so far as relationship with uh my wife uh, my wife and i we've been together for seven years we've been married for three um and this felt like sort of a song about falling in love slow and fast at the same time and just all that comes with that like uh it feels to me the first two verses anyway, about how maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not, you know, this storybook thing, but we're going to make it work. Uh, you know, we'll never get it right. That perfect turn of phrase. Not everything we say comes out as this great Disney-esque poetry when we're confessing love to another human being. Uh, and then the whole spoken word part just reminded me of those first perfect dates with my wife. We did fall in love really fast. Uh, and we had both gotten out of really messy, really toxic relationships. And we were both just in the right frame of mind. If we had met each other six years prior, five years prior, it would not have worked out. We were different people. Um, but the whole spoken word thing just reminded me of meeting my wife and falling in love with her super fast. It just clicked. Um, and how I wanted to give her everything 
even though we'd only been together for at, you know, at the time, maybe six months or a year. Um, so that was kind of where my brain went with it. And, uh, you know, unconditional love, you know, there's just so much to say about that, but yeah, that's kind of where I took it was a much more intimate, personal thing. I would have never automatically taken it to a scripture level. That's really fascinating though. I love hearing that. All right. Thank you for joining us for Echoes Down the Road. Where, oh, wait, I'm supposed to talk now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I did have a question. What's, uh, what's up with the broken shall inherit the earth? You know what? That, that's <laughs> a you, wonderful Bobby. question. And, and, and I will not blow it off. Uh, so, so Lance is half correct. Obviously, that in phrase, just to quote, shall inherit the earth is from Sermon of the Mount, that regardless of religious background, we know that's a phrase that Jesus said. He said, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth. So the shall inherit the earth is lifted from the Bible, as I am apt to do with lyrics, because there's a lot of beauty there. Uh, the broken uh, does not equate, in, in my mind, w- with the meek. Uh, you could. I'm not going to say you're wrong, because you know, far be it for me to, to get on that pedestal. But for me, it's this idea, uh, kind of a fascination I have with, with humanity and how we are all broken individuals uh, are through our stories, through what we experience. Anyone you meet, obviously, who has it all together is just doing a great job of hiding it. And it's just my belief that it, it's kind of the beauty of humanity is our brokenness. And I think it's through our brokenness that we can give the most to the world. And so kind of to back up, and I'll, I'll jump back into it. When my wife, when, when Shannon heard this, uh, she thought it was a prayer. You know, she thought I'd written a prayer. And then she's texting me. I, I think I was at work. She's texting me, giving me like a song by song. And she's going through the album the first time. And I told her, I said, listen to it again and uh, put yourself into it. Because this was written to my wife. Uh, and she did. And then I get the text back. You know, I'm weeping and I'm happy because then I know I wrote a good song. If I can make my wife cry, that, that's good. <laughs> she, she wept with Carry Your Dreams you know, which was blatantly about my kids. But I, and I think that's where that, uh, when all those lyrics came pouring out, it had been a while since I had written a song uh, just for her. I think I wrote these, I wrote these lyrics before Chasing After Memories. And so all this stuff started coming out about a relationship and really, and, and Bobby kind of mentioned it, it was the verses that kind of set that off. You know, we, we watch the movies and we watch these romantic relationships, which are always perfect. And everyone says the same thing. And it's very poetic. And life is not like that. Uh, life is not always about poetry. And if we sit around waiting for the right thing to say, for this perfect line to make it like a cinematic experience, uh, we'll miss the whole point of relationships. And, you know, my wife and I, we celebrated 20 years of marriage uh, last year. We've been together for, I think, an extra three years on top of that. So 23 years together. So a lot comes out <laughs> uh, with those lyrics. And that's, that's why it's just kind of scratching the surface. And, you know, Lance brings up the idea of a masterpiece. And I think that any relationship, uh, well, no, not any relationship, but many relationships are masterpieces in their own ways. Uh, because we learn to love through imperfections. And we learn to love imperfect people and they learn to love us, which is very hard. Uh, if you get into a relationship expecting perfection, that relationship is over because we're not perfect. And it, it kind of goes back to the whole broken idea. Uh, 
I'm, I'm a very broken person and my wife loves me for my brokenness. And, you know, that being the port in the storm, the light in the darkness, these are the things that we hold to in our relationships. Lance, you nailed three expressions of love. That's about the girls. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> it, hey, Trinity stuff always works too, but, but that's definitely about the girls. And that whole line, that line after, without whom we are incomplete and through each one we will live forever because our kids are our legacy. I mean, that's how we end up living forever after we're gone. Our kids carry that on and kids carry that on. Music's the same way. Music does that too. That's why I write so many damn songs because, you know, my days are numbered, but, you know, Spotify, because I paid an extra 30 bucks, those songs will last forever. And then, you know, we get into the end. And uh, even though I have so little to give in comparison to what you deserve and what little I have could never be enough, I give it all. Those are basically, I mean, I should have said that for my, uh, for my wedding vows. It's awesome. You know, because I, I never feel like I have enough to give my wife what she deserves. And, and, you know, thankfully she doesn't, you know, she doesn't say that to me like, I need more. <laughs> you know, she's not that type of person. No, but uh, we're men, God. so we're pretty much, I think that's a wonderful expression that we all should say to our wives. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's part of, uh, I mean, being with any human, if, if you approach a relationship with the right mindset, you're never going to feel like you've reached a point where you've given enough. And if you have, well, then maybe it's time for counseling because maybe then if you've been like, <laughs> I'm good, you know, Absolutely. now we're good. Well, now you've reached the peak and now it's all downhill from there. So, and, and like a lot of these songs, I mean, a lot of these come from my own insecurities just in relationships and that constant need, you know, to just to try to do better and to try to be better and especially be an example for my kids as well. So uh, a lot of ranting to say, you're, you're both right, you know, and I'm, I'm sure someone else will listen to it and find something else. And that's kind of what I love about this song, because these are general themes. These aren't themes exclusive to a husband and wife relationship. You know, these are themes for, for anyone. As true as that is, I still have <laughs> to ask you a very, so there's one line that, I love, and it like kind of clinks off my head, which, you know, okay. I don't have the depth of everyone, but so I love the line, a symphony so complex I can barely understand. I don't know, maybe Bach and, and Vegna and certain ve- Vegna? Verde. What's a, what's, a, what's a Vegna? Well, Wegner. Is that like Schmegna? No, no, no. I'm talking about. You, you mean Wagner? Wagner and then Verde. <laughs> So, like, <laughs> symphonies are very complex. I think we could, I hope we could all ex- agree with. But Yeah, it foreshadows to another song on the album there. Right, which is, you know, coming up soon on the album. But however, the following line is where it kind of clinks off my, my head. So, why you stayed, I, I get, I love that. But what the heck does after the orchestra tune to A above middle C why you stayed with me. I mean, I ask that of myself almost daily, but what's the whole tune to A above middle C? There, there's got to be something there. Can I take a, so can I, me can out, I take a stab at that? Cause, and I want to see how close I am. Yeah, I see, I see yeah. you raising your hand and, and I, I think you're going to get it right. So, so my go stab for it, at it is that when, when you're saying the symphony, I'm assuming you're using it as a metaphor for yourself, for your mind, for your heart. So complex that you're, if, if we're assuming it's your wife you're talking to here, like, like you said, um, it kind of like why you stayed with me after the first date, why you stayed with me after I was even just like getting ready for this whole 
cacophony of life. That's kind of where I took it. Um, I can't, you know, it's so complex, but you, you, you stuck with it even after, you know, round one, basically is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. You, you nailed it. I mean, if you've ever been, you know, to an orchestra <laughs> or anything with an orchestra, a Broadway show or whatever, uh, you know, before it starts, they all tune and they tune to a above middle C. That's how the orchestra gets in tune. And yeah, Bobby kind of nailed it. You know, uh, that's the time to duck out. If you know you're about to sit through, you know, a symphony, which is not short, you know, if you come to that conclusion that you don't want to go, you go right after they tune. Because after they tune, uh, you're in for the long haul. And so, yeah, that's definitely, that's that whole idea. Nice. Well played, Bobby. <laughs> like recognizes like, man. Bobby's good. We're, we're, we're going to have to keep him around. Uh, I, now I want to go back to all the other episodes and say, Bobby, what'd you think about this song? I'm going to start oh, quizzing man. him on the lyrics. I'll probably get new stuff out of it too. So there we have it. Uh, I think that what, brings what us we're going, to the actual yeah, art. I, I think we should, we should play the song. So what we're going to play now, this is Turner Phrase. This is track seven off of Crescendo of Silence, mixed and mastered by Bobby Phillips. And give it a listen.
You know what? And you know what I'm going to say? I still love it. <laughs> it's a good one, man. Don't we Every, every song we play, I, I still... This one, it, it kind of gives me fun goosebumps. It's a nice... Uh, it's not the easiest song to listen to on the album. And, you know, there's kind of an interesting story there, Lance. When we were talking about, you know, uh, programming the album and seeing what order the songs would go in, you had Turner Phrase in a different spot. I did. We, well, you and I had, a, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I think you and I both had a good time talking about this. It wasn't as easy for other members in the band uh, sans Kevin, because everything is easy for Kevin, but Tommy's not here to defend himself. I know. So we have two slow songs in my mind on this album. There are some obviously kind of change-ups also in there that are mellower versus a hard rocker like Denmark or, or Shadows and Echoes. But, but ultimately, they had to be one, one had to be on one side, one had to be the other. And I actually had this on the first half of the album, the A side, of course, in slot four, because that's where slow songs are supposed to be. So, so yeah. And so, and then I, I had the other one, Chasing Memories. I think I had that at nine, eight or nine, but I think I had it at nine before we closed because we knew VS was going to be that voyeuristic symphony, Wessie's. I knew that would be our closer because Eric's passion for that to be there and it made sense as a closer. So Eric and I kind of, I don't know want to say thumb wrestled or arm wrestled over this, but I do remember you saying you can't have a spoken piece on the A side of an album. I did. And, and I did say he that. said that, and I giggle out loud to this day about that. And the reason why I laugh so hard is our very first song of the album has a spoken piece. Now it's not not the same. That is a quote. No, that is a no, it's, that is a clip. No, it's not Eric speaking, as he said, but it is a spoken piece. That's, that's the difference so between no, I, I push back that's, on that that's, argument. I'm, I'm with Eric on this one. That's the difference between a spoken word and a sample. Right. So be it as you will, sound ninja and leader of all good things, but it's still a spoken piece. Now, again, it's, it's easier to separate yourself because it's not you. But I, thought, I giggled and I said, whatever, my friend, I don't really care. But one of these has got to go in the front of the back half of the album in the four spot. Um, and I personally felt this one flowed better coming out of Denmark. Denmark is a in-your-face rocker, arguably the hardest rocking one on the song, in my opinion. But the point is, the way it ends and you've got that kind of panning left and right end of it with your phantom solo i just felt it it, it the, the sound sonically was exactly a perfect prelude to turn a phrase and so eric and i went back and forth and punched each other a few times and you know we just kind of said okay it's it's a truce and i didn't i don't really care where things go but i was i spent so much time and i'm like sonically it's perfect as the four spot right out of denmark but, you know, it's fine. It's great where it is. And I think now looking back, it is more appropriate because it is a sip on your Baileys, sip on your whatever Irish cream on the couch kind of a song, which, you know, fits for a B-side slow song. Well, you've just come out of Ghosted, too. Yeah. And Ghosted, that's a slap Ghosted in the face. was a beast. I mean, not just musically, but also lyrically. <laughs> so, so turn a phrase is your, you know, that's your respite. 
in the uh, in the mail store. Can call it a palate cleanser there, for sure. Well, I I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Bobby Phillips, thank you so course, much been a, for been joining a blast. us for this Bobby one. Phillips, this was an absolute treat. Been a blast, yes. man. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Crushed it. We we definitely have to bring to. you back. Uh, for other stuff this just worked really well and thank you to all you out there who are listening still listening we're very thankful you know that you give us your attention and you join us for this time to kind of go through what we talked about before this audio diary of what we've created Uh, we we want to have this out there just not only for us to look back on but also for anyone who finds our music interesting and it's an honor and a privilege uh, if you can if you consider us interesting, <laughs> we thank you and, and keep finding us interesting because we have a lot more to do. Uh, next episode, we will be talking about Fallen, like Bobby talked about, the, the first West of House song and also the last one we worked on, which we will get into that. There are some fun stories that come with Fallen. It is the bookend of Crescendo of Silence. Yeah, I think we've referenced it more than any other song in any of these podcasts, and it is where Bobby Phillips came into our lives. Yeah, so I don't want to make any promises to the listeners, but if we can work out where all of us can be on that, because we we had some additions made at the end, uh, I think if we can get all of us in the the same chat room, that'd be fun. But no promises for the listeners. We will make it happen. All right, promises for the listeners. We will try to make it happen. Yeah. We never know. I mean, I mean, you know, Kevin's off gallivanting. He's in the with, void. With the void of Washington. They, they have like glittery vampires up there, as I understand <laughs> it. And it's, it's a strange, strange world he lives in. But we will definitely try. There, there's a lot. Um, uh, we'll probably end up going two hours. And we apologize for the length. You know, just to throw this out there to everyone, the original intent was for these episodes to last 30 minutes. <laughs> And after the first one, we realized that's just not going to happen. Nope. Now, season two, maybe we'll hit that 45, 50-minute mark. But I mean, we don't want to cut too much of it because, well, it, it's interesting. It's, it's so, absolutely that, interesting. And, and I want to add one little fun fact, Bobby. You don't know this, but I'm glad I got to meet you today officially through screen. But for the first many days, I, I called you upon Ricky Bobby. I've because Bobby's a fun word to say. I have been called so much worse this, since this morning. Don't worry about it. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with no. Ricky Bobby. He's an icon. So I gotta say, Lance always has a never a name actually for seen the movie. Um, uh, well, speaking of Medulla Oblongatus, hey, if you get a chance, give us a listen. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, iHeartRadio, anywhere you listen. If you're streaming music, you can find us on Bandcamp at westofhouse.bandcamp.com if you want to download some fine tunes. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at westofhouseband. That's the name there. And on YouTube, search us up and subscribe. Our subscribers have actually gone up just a just tick since we started the podcast, but we're still not at 100, and I hate the long URL. Please, for the love of God, people. That's all yes. I want before I die. I just want a youtube.com slash West of House Band. It's a small ask. But it has been a lot of fun today. And thanks. Thanks yeah, again. Thanks, thanks, thanks Bobby. Me. Appreciate it. And have a good day. And we'll see you next time.
Eric, did you right. give Bobby You're... the lyrics as well? Mm-hmm. I got those. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he's got everything. God, We're good to go. And and he'll he knows you do an interpretive dance about six minutes in. <laughs> After, Is that uh, in just, here? <laughs> well, there's a two minute disrobing part. So, okay. So it's the lead up. Is it, got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be lots we edit out of this. There's sure. a lot of nonsense. I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. <clears throat> Let's get my sexy voice on here. Uh.